Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. How important it was to have relationships in 2 Timothy. But I was thinking, especially with the world that we're living in, obviously we're going through the Bible throughout, you know, straight through it, event, you know, plowing our way through. Um, but sometimes it's worthwhile to take a couple weeks uh, and address what's going on, right? And remind ourselves of biblical truths and uh, also reassert some things that we maybe uh, have kind of like lost uh, a grip of or, or sight of or the importance or emphasis in. So uh, I want to look at relationships. Uh, we're calling it a biblical roadmap for singleness, dating, and marriage. Um, and really we could throw friendships in there as well because we're going to uh, talk about that also. Um, there's so much confusion right now and controversy going on about uh, singleness, about dating, and about marriage. Uh, so it's, we want to look at what God blesses. Um, so remember, the children of Israel were called to be set apart from all other nations. Uh, that's part of the law. That was the Mosaic law, was to separate them so they looked differently. Uh, the circumcision was to separate them so they had something that made them distinct in who they were. And everything they did was so that they weren't becoming intermingled with the other people. Um, and so there, that, that was God being separated. And so he, that's why he's like, you can't join with these other nations or we're going to end up becoming like them. We're going to end up being just like them. And so that's why when we see God deal harshly with the other nations, it's not, it's not genocide because it's not just necessarily going after people groups. Those people could become God's people if they chose to. They could become part of his family. They could become part of those who were set apart and distinct, but it was what was made up of these people. And it was their uh, uh, following false gods, gods of brutality, right? Idols. And so uh, God called his people to be separated, set apart, and different. And that, that way they could be distinguished, so they'd be a good representation of who God is. And in the process, they become blessable. So if we are looking at our lives and we want to say, God, I, I'm here for the blessing. I want to be blessed. And it's like, you know, that sounds very Pentecostal or very, uh, not Pentecostal, health and wealth is what it sounds, right? You know, bring up the blessing. Everybody come up and I'll sp spray some water out on you. And, you, you know, that's, anyway, whatever. But we all do want to be blessed by God. And so the best way we can find ourselves blessed by God is to align our thinking with God's is to align our life with what we say we believe, right? And that removes us out of the position of the hypocrite and puts us in the position of humbly serving God, doing what we know to be done. Most people be like, God, what is your will for my life? And he's like, that you would follow me. No, not that. It's got to be something better than that. And he's like, no, follow me, honor me, obey me, and then we'll go from there, okay? So this is part of realigning all of this and understanding all of this because it's so easy to get thrown off. And, and really, generation after generation, uh, especially as time goes on, it's so easy to forget some things in lieu of other things. And so every, everything we, every time we have to keep on coming back to this and reminding ourselves of these truths. So, um, yeah. So I, I think one of the major emphasis uh, that I was hoping to get in these next couple weeks is that our lives will be led as we're following Jesus, will be led by Jesus, and then 
through that, we'll be led through uh, our ministry and everything that we're doing. Our lives will be led through our healthy Christ-centered marriage or healthy Christ-centered singleness and how that all, or dating, you know, that's kind of the in-between place, right? Um, and then we'll go from there. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word as we get into um, issues of the day. Um, Lord, help us to have our ears open and our eyes open to see what you want to show us, that you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit and we'd be receptive to that. We thank you, God, for your grace. We need your grace in our lives. And we pray that you would just go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this morning, we're going to be talking specifically about singleness and dating. Okay. Um, I, I, one of the things we've been talking about with my group, my cohort, is how little we hear about biblical singleness right? And how little it's actually talked about. And you might be thinking, I'm not single. I don't have to listen to this message. No, this is really valuable. All of this information is valuable uh, because it helps us not just to understand ourselves, or, but it helps us to understand those around us and realize where we're at, what we're going through, what, you know, uh, what, how we can be helpful, how we're called as a body of Christ to work together wherever somebody is called. So if you're single, the marriage thing, let's listen. If you're married, the single thing, let's listen. And then the dating thing, man, this is, I, I feel like it's, this is good biblical advice all around. So um, uh, Peace Cazero says this, he says, married couples, uh, there's the difference uh, between following Christ through our marriage and through our singleness. Married couples bear witness to the depth of Christ's love. Their vows focus and limit them to loving uh, one person exclusively and intimately. So married couples bear the witness of the, to the depth of Christ's love. The, how deep it is and how intimate it is and how single-focused it is. And, and it's just this, this exclusive, permanent, intimate thing. And it's spoken of pretty often, right? Singles bear witness to the breadth of Christ's love. Because they're not limited by a vow to one person, they have more freedom and time to express the love of Christ to a broad range of people. And then he says, both married and singles point to and reveal Christ's love. And they're both very valuable to the body of Christ. Um, the first 1,500 years or so of the church, it was actually singles who were looked upon highly, uh, that was kind of like the view, and of course, some of that was due to some of the Catholicism and you know um, uh, the the Pope and and the you know um, the monasteries where the the priests and the nuns would would say you know decide that they're going to be celibate for life you know uh, and then uh, Protestant Revolution I and mean, Protestant Reformation Revolution Protestant Reformation uh, it kind of shifted to where now all of a sudden you see marriages were a little bit more prominent, but biblically, they're both very prominent. And Paul speaks to both of them very passionately, almost like, Paul, how can you say that so passionately here and then say that so passionately here? I think because they both are good and have their purpose in the church. And so we've got to remember this, okay? Uh, neither singles or married have arrived. The ultimate picture of what we're looking to is this perfect union in Christ. The first coming of Christ is what set, apart, what set up the, the new kingdom order in a sense, right? Where Jesus has come and he's established the kingdom and he said he did. And he's like, I'm establishing this new kingdom. But it won't be completely consummated or fulfilled. We're in like the betrothal process 
of becoming uh, one with Christ, okay? He's come and he's established it and he's called us in and he's given us the ability to that place of intimacy, but it'll never be completely fulfilled until there's that final marriage, the bridegroom of Christ. So there's a marriage that we're all looking to and hoping for that will actually completely fulfill who we are supposed to be. Now, it's not a marriage like we think of marriage, but there is a union with Christ where we are completely now one with him. There's no longer any of the old stuff to deal with anymore. And it's, it's what we're, we've been longing for our whole entire lives. So for the single or for the married, that is what we are looking unto. That's why people are not, you know, they're not given to marriage in heaven, we don't see, right? Because we are, we are one with Christ which is the whole point, okay? So neither of us will have arrived. We're all longing for this ultimate union with Christ. That's what we're looking for. So understanding this helps us, uh, uh, helps singles to realize this is not the end, right? Like even if you maybe God's called you to be single and you're like, man, I would really love to know what it'd be like to have that kind of a relationship. Um, it, whether God allows that at, on this side of eternity or not, there is, there is a greater hope in eternity, and it also helps people who are married to recognize that your spouse cannot do for you what you are longing for. It's only found in Christ. So marriage is a, poor, or a picture uh, and a, like an analogy of who we are in Christ, but it's still in a sense flawed, right? We're all looking for our foundation that's in Christ. So with good theology and good understanding, we can build our lives with a good foundation, whether we're single or whether we're married and even dating. So recognizing who we are in Christ and where we are in the mission of God helps us to do this and helps us to, to keep this all in mind, okay? So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and you look at verses 1 through 6, he's basically saying married people are not their own. Paul's talking about married and he's talking about single. They're not their own. They belong, in a sense, to their spouse. And that they must be, that must be taken seriously, right? We'll talk more about marriage next week. But Paul gives his take, verse 7, through 7 and 8 here, and 9. For I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Paul was passionate about being single. Uh, now, we don't really know his whole story, but being part of what he was part of, you know, his, his rank in the, in the church, it was likely that he at, at one point was married. And we don't know what exactly happened, uh, but we know he's single now. And Paul's focus is now on serving Christ. And so he's saying, if, if you have been given the ability and the gift of being able to serve Christ alone, that is a good gift. Because as he just said, if you're married, you've got to, you're not, life is not your own. Your body is not your own. You are taking care of another. So then in uh, verses 10 through 24, I'll paraphrase real quick because otherwise it's a lot. He says, don't try to get out of your marriage because there's like, well, can you divorce for this? Can you divorce for this? Well, what if I married an unbeliever? You know, all these different things. And Paul's basically like, you, you can't try to get out of your marriage. Live as you're called. Now you've been put in this position. Live out that calling that you may be able to even potentially win those who don't know the Lord to Christ. 
Now, we'll talk more about this, about being unequally yoked, why it's a good idea to marry a Christian if you're a Christian. It's more than a good idea, <laughs> right? But he's saying even if that happens, where whether you married and you just, you, they weren't, you can win them to Christ by the way you live, or you become a Christian during, you can win them to Christ the way you I've seen this happen a lot of times, where one spouse gets saved, and then the other one, you know, eventually comes as well. You know, remember when my friend's moms would, uh, <laughs> she was, uh, yeah, she, she did that. She, was, she said that she got saved, and then she told her husband, she's like, all right, we're not, we're no, we're not sleeping together anymore. Uh, I'm a Christian now, and he's like, I'm in, let's go, you know, and so they ended up getting married, and uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he wasn't really a Christian, I don't think, for another, like, 10 years, but uh, he decided, you know, to go for it, because she wanted to honor God in the way that she was living, okay, um, and so we've, we've seen that, but 10 years later or so, he's, he's a down Christian, he's awesome, it's been years and years since, um, so I suppose, therefore, Uh, Verse 26, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, uh, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. So Paul's been talking about the time. He's, he's, He's like, whether you are married or you're not married, be what you are, right? It's not sinned to be married, which is, this is such different verbiage than we even hear. I mean, at one point, actually in most religions, especially uh, at this time, it would have been viewed as, as like a sin to not be married. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Um, but we got some pretty good examples of singles, right? How about Jesus? You know, and then we got Paul, <laughs> John Stott, I mean, there's been amazing men and women of God who have been able to dedicate their whole lives to the ministry because of this, right? But don't get any ideas, you know, I'd be better off if I was just going out. No, you're married. If you're married, you're married. And, and, and it is so many blessings. And by the way, I am supposed to be married. I know that, okay? And so that's a, that's a blessing. My wife has made me a better man by a long shot. Trust me, ask her. You know, and ask my friends, ask my family. They all tell you the same thing. But he's saying, uh, you know, hey, listen, guys, if you're, if you're married, great. If you're not, okay, great. You know, seek to keep on serving the Lord because he says the time is short. Live without the restriction if you can, right? So there's a position there. Verse 32, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried care, woman cares about the things of the Lord, and she, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that you, uh, I may put a leash on you, but for uh, what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. He's like, I think I know what I'm talking about. You're like, this is quite a strong stance. Uh, married people, are you offended uh, at this? You know, 
Uh, I, but I think it's so important because uh, so much of what we have heard is all, pro, all marriage, right? It's just like, yeah, what's wrong? How come you're not married? What's, you know, we need a good position and understanding for the place of singleness, especially when it's been given as a gift, like you're able to do this. You've been called and set apart in, in a way that you're able to do this. Um, Matthew 17 talks about um, his disciples said to him, uh, if this is such a case... Uh, of the man with, with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, all, all cannot accept this saying, but to those to whom it has been given, for there are eunuchs who are born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Who is able to accept it? Let him accept it. So Jesus is saying that there are going to be some that choose not to be, to be married in a sense that they can serve the Lord, that they will choose to serve the Lord. Now, there's different people, right? Some people want to be married, and some people don't want to be married. And I even know in this church, I've heard people say, I have no desire to be married, or I have a desire to be married. And we have different, like there's a, a spectrum to that. Some who have lost their spouses. Well, being single opens up new opportunities, okay? Um, it, just like, like you said, the, the quote from the very beginning, right? If you're married, and, and, and as we're following 1 Corinthians 7, if we're married, we have to think about our spouses. We have to, we can't just go like crazy. That's something I had to learn early because I was used to being single with a ton of friends that would, I would go drop everything and go be with constantly right anything that they needed I could be there anything any party that was happening I was there you get a phone call at 10 30 hey we're hanging out hey we're going in the jacuzzi I'm there right hey we're gonna drive to Laguna and go get some tacos okay let's do it you get married that's not the same life anymore right because you got to think about there's somebody else involved in that now there's and there is some serious advantages to that for a married man where you go like hey guess what time to stop always thinking about yourself but there's also some disadvantages in the fact that you can't always do what you would want to do in the sense of even being able to minister to everyone your bandwidth is only so much and there's something in the law of limits we've only can do so many things in a day we are humans and where do we see the those limits we see it in Jesus he even did it right Jesus, how come you're up there? How come you weren't here? There's people to be healed. And he left place after place, and people were discouraged. How come he didn't heal him? There were so many more waiting. Well, it's because he's a man, and he's, and he's taking on the form of a man, and he's taking on the energy of a man. And so he knew, sometimes I can't do everything, so I'm going to have to go spend some time with the Father. I'm going to have to do this and that. So once you become married, you got to understand, it will limit your effect to the broader group, and it's meant to be that way. Because what do we know about an elder? If, if his house isn't in order, then he's, he's out of alignment. You've got to keep your house in order first. So for the married, they, they literally, you have to take care of your spouse. You have to take care of your family. Other people cannot come first. This is a real challenge in ministry. Because you, you see real needs all the time. And so you go, yeah, we can handle it. We can handle it. Ah, we can bear, bear through. And I'm the type of guy that's like, all right, just one more week. All right, just one more week. All right, all right two more weeks. Just put your head down. Let's go. And all of a sudden you're like, it's been five years of two more weeks, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? 
we're going to be less busy next month. Yeah, right. You're not, right? Because you go, next month we're free, so let's plan all the things that we weren't going to do. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, next month is here and we're busier than we were last month. How did this happen? Well, because you thought you were free, so you planned again, didn't you? So you can't go fast or wherever you want. That's part of the idea too. Is like, uh, it's like a cruise ship. You got to turn it slowly because you got other people on board. And if you're like my children, they get motion sick. So you can't be going all over the place like crazy. You got to be a little bit more deliberate. I was a wild man when I was single. I could just, I just, I would be like, I'm, I'll do anything, whatever. Where are we going to go? All right, sure. I'm there. Where are we going to sleep? Doesn't matter. In a car, you know. So at Bible college, I would, we were dating, and Tori's like, I, I was like, I don't have a, I don't, I, I don't want to drive home. So I would take her car. She'd be on campus, and I'd sleep in a neighborhood in Marietta with a blanket, and then get up and go wa- brush my teeth in Vons. Like I was just like living the life, you know, like go get a muffin and just like, you know, I'm sure they're like, that guy, should we get get money for him? What do we need to do? And I'm like, well, sure. Um, so there's, there's, there's an, an element to that where if you're, when you're single, you take advantage of that. Whether you're single forever or not, it's the season in which you're called for now. So you utilize that unto God's glory. You're involved in a lot of things. You're able to be involved in other people's lives. Um, you're able to be a part of serving here, serving the community. Because in a sense, there's somewhat more time. I know and a lot of the guys, our, our, our people here who are single do do those things, right? So uh, being single, remember, Jesus was single. Paul was single. Many other heroes of the faith were single. It's, it's a good thing if it's what you're called to, especially during that time. It's not a bad thing. It's a faithful calling. And it could be for a season or it could be for life. That's where, that's where it's like, okay, God, help me not to want the thing. And I remember I had a friend who, who was just wanted to be married so bad, so bad. And he just was like, could, I'll, it's never going to happen for me, man. It's never going to happen for me. I just, oh, just so bummed, so bummed, so bummed. He gets married and he's like, man, my single life was pretty good. Not because his wife was bad. She's awesome but because he didn't realize what the gifts he had been given and he used them well in that season. And now, been married some years and I'm sure he wouldn't necessarily want to go back to where he was at before, but you recognize, man, that was a good season in my life. Utilize it, use it for the glory of God. Here's some helpful things in the in light of singles. Uh, they should be honored and not expected to marry. I think that's something that's important, is not to make people, it's not, there's not like a second class citizenship or something like that, which the church kind of did for a little while, I think, which is so wrong, especially because Paul gives us such strong words. Of course, next week, I mean, he also gives us very strong words about how important marriage is and what it does. So it's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth, but I think that's a good thing in the sense of they're both really valuable. So um, also, singles need relationship just like married people do now the relationships might look different but they need fellowship and they need community that's where the church comes in like a family you know i've had friends who are who are missionaries in um muslim countries and when someone 
become saved, they literally lose everything, their whole family. It's like gone. And especially if they're in a country where you can't support yourself by yourself, they were all living in a family situation where they were all supporting each other and everyone's throwing in money so that you can survive. Now what happens? The church has to become the family. And so as a church, we need to be good at this, right? Better at this, right? So singles need relationship, fellowship from the church like a family. They, that's including part of it, right? That's why I was going to say, hey, family camp doesn't mean you have to have a family. <laughs> you are a family. This is the family. It's one big, we got the loop, man. It's the family camp. You know, we're, we're all putting our hands in the same popcorn bag, you know. So it's a family. Uh, singles need to be active in cultivating a life, in, uh, a life of community. That's one of the things we got to be careful of, that we don't get isolated, right? So you're making sure that you're investing in relationships in the way you live, right? Um, that you still make a point which, you know, to be a part of that. It's, it's no less needed than those who are married. Singles should uh, also use their advantage while they have it to minister in the broad context, like, it's a broader context. You have enabled ability to minister in a lot of different ways, right? Not throw you on the spot. Rick does, does uh, he does witnessing. That's awesome. Goes out to the pier. That's so cool. You know, that's a good opportunity. Um, to spend all day Saturday out on the pier every week would not work super well for my family. They'd be like, where have you been? You've been at the here every single weekend, you know? But everybody has opportunities and to use it in broader context. Now, uh, I think this is also important for those who are looking to become married, dating. We won't spend a ton of time on this. Uh, there's a lot of confusion about dating, and I think a lot of it is um, part of, like, the purity culture thing, right? Where marriage was built up to be, like, it was like, if you get married, you are married to Jesus, you know, already, like all fulfillment. And so it's like, if you just do these things, it'll all work out. And we had books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye, right? Do you guys remember that? And it was like Joshua Harris, who's now kissed Christianity goodbye, which is sad. Um, but, but some of this stuff was like, well, where are we, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? See, the idea of how you approach it is really important. Right? How you got to know the people that you're going to be married to. I I say I I didn't really know who I was marrying fully, but it was a really good decision, and it's become more clear over time. And so that's one of the most important decisions you can make. Who do you marry? So you've got to know the person. That means I I remember at the Bible college there was multiple times where there were multiple um, guys or girls who God told them they were going to marry the same person. Now we don't believe in polygamy in Christianity. So what does that mean? Oddly enough, they were always good-looking people. God told me I'm supposed to marry you. Weird, because he told that person too. And here's the other problem. He is already married to them, those two. I'm just kidding. It's no, it's no polygamy, okay? But that, that's the idea. It's like, what, 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 what are we doing? It's overly spiritualizing it in the sense where you're not paying attention to who you're meeting yeah, this should all be done with prayer, but it also should be done with a lot of vetting, right? Um, a man, it's also important to understand, in dating, a man or woman will not fix you or complete you, 
right? You have to have the proper foundation, which is in the Lord. So if anyone's in the position where they are looking to date, what's the first thing you should do? Mark 12, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The first commandment, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. You love God, you love others. That is the foundation. If you don't have a foundation with the Lord, you're going to be quick to put that, that person into the, into the Lord of your life. And I think that's one of the reasons Paul's saying singleness is, can be helpful because there's a real um, threat to those who are married. There's a real threat to make that into idolatry, your, your spouse, where the whole world does does revolt, and, and, and it's not necessarily, so. it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be Christ, and then as you're loving and honoring Christ, this is your next ministry, and out of that ministry and out of that relationship, everything else flows. So everything becomes a, a, a product of that healthy relationship between you and God that now is between you, God, and your spouse, or you and God in your singleness, and then that goes forth to everything else's is, is colored and, and, and affected by that relationship. So uh, you, you, your spouse won't complete you, um, you know, if you're not with them. And also, the other part is, don't be unequally yoked, okay? So we want to love God, love others. Spouse won't complete you. We got to make sure as you're getting married, not to become unequally yoked. So this is the idea of an unbeliever and a believer, right? Verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial uh, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Um, we are called to be one in one flesh. How can you be in one flesh if you have completely different foundations? That's the idea of being unequally yoked, where one's really weak and small or whatever, and the other one's strong. It's going to eventually tear down the one that's strong. Equally yoked means you're, you're working together in unison as a team. Now, you're going to have to learn your pace, and, and no one's perfectly equal. So we're going to have to learn that, figure that whole thing out. But it's important to have that mindset going in. Because I've seen a lot of times, man... A, People who know better will fall into this because it's an opportunity and maybe it's a good-looking opportunity. Trust me, it's not worth the pain that's coming later, right? So we're called to be equally yoked, okay? Also, in the dating relationship, it's called to purity, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 5, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Right? Mark 10, 6 through 9. 
It talks about the very beginning. Jesus said, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Right? If we're looking biblically at, you'd say, married, single, dating, uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, it's really, it's single and it's married. Like, it's like, uh, you know, there'd be the betrothal or like, you know, that's like what you'd say, kind of like an engage, I guess, thing. But that's not official. Really, it's, it's, it's single, married. And, and so we want to honor God. So no matter which way the culture goes and, and like the things that were kind of taboo before of like we've went right past the, those thresholds. That's no big deal anymore. That's no big deal. That's no big deal. Well, you got to try it out before you buy it. You know, all these kind of theories, right, have become the norm around us. But we aren't looking for the norm. Remember, the children of Israel were a smaller, distinct group that God sustained in the midst of all kinds of crazy ideas around them. So God has called us in the same way to, to trust him, to be blessed by him. And remember what happened when they did trust him. Man, he came through for them. God blessed them over and over again. I mean, think about the battles that they were winning. God would just like, hey, if you trust me, if you honor me, if you listen to me, you're going to keep on winning, right? That's Joshua. He's just like, God is just delivering people after people, doing weird stuff like trumpets and shouting and marching. Well, that's the blessable path. But it might look real weird and crazy to everyone around you, right? Like, no one thinks that makes any sense. That would be the blessable path. And then, you know, hey, I'll, you know what? There's too many of you, Gideon. I'm going to I'm gonna have to get rid of some of them. Hey, you know what? God's going to need the glory for that. But here's, here's where we start running into troubles. Like, the, in AI, look at this little tiny group. We don't need God on this one. We got it. What happens? They get their butts whooped in that battle. Excuse my... I think I was in youth talk there, you know, but they got beat up bad. Why? It's like they didn't seek God and they had allowed sin to enter into the camp. They had, they had removed themselves from the place of blessing. And what happens? It all fell apart. So we want to kind of try and find a way to get around it. And, and, and here's the thing. No one's perfect. We're all working with, man, we make mistakes all the time. We blow it all the time, right? But it's making a declaration to say, you know what, God? I I'm going to choose to do no more excuses. Do what you've called me to do and honor you in the way I live my life. So as a single person, I've, called to, I've been called to honor you in, with the way I handle my body, knowing that there will be a blessing now and a blessing to come. And whatever I miss out on here, I will not miss out on in eternity. And you go, easy for you to say you're married. We are all in this position where none of us are going to get our, the full fulfillment of everything here. We're waiting. It's going to be all done when Jesus comes back as in strength, <laughs> in power. And everything's going to be made right. So God made them from the beginning, male and female. Okay, take note. Male and female, and what did he say? This is the reason you leave your father and mother. This is, you go from father-mother type relationship, right, to marry. And that's, that's blessed, right? And then the two become one flesh. Uh, the data is out. This, doing this, is, is infinitely high, more successful 
than, than any other way of doing it. No matter what culture says, it, it's just true. Do this, doing this the right way, honoring God with the way he set it up to where you say, I'm putting all this on the shelf. I want to marry you in purity, whether you, your background is, whatever your background is, and, and choosing to honor God and put yourself, I just think about that. Think, put yourself in the position of blessing. It's like, I, I, you know, you want to feel the shower, but what happens if you put a, an umbrella over it? You're never going to get clean. <laughs> You're never going to feel the blessing of God. You're never going to, you know, feel that refreshing flow. So this removes all those things and lets the Lord shower his, his blessings on you. Most of the, one of the, some of the biggest blessings is, is peace and good sleep. Knowing that you're right with him, fellowship with him. It's not necessarily like, if I do this right, God, you better give me. It's like, yeah, right. That's not how that works. Okay. So here's some helpful tips in the dating realm. Um, Again, living in community is vital. I think dating in community is vital. Don't date in the dark. when well, that can mean a couple of different things, right? Be careful. <laughs> but also, don't, don't isolate. It happens a lot. You know, how many times have you guys seen this? A friend has a, a new boyfriend or girlfriend, depending, you know. And then all of a sudden, they go into hiding. And they separate themselves. And now they are their own world. And you're like, red flags, red flags. Oh, no. Oh, no. I see it. This is not good. But they have not allowed your voice in, in it anymore. No, no, no. No other voices are allowed. Right? So that's part of being in community. This takes courage. You have to be honest and ask for feedback. What do you think about that person? And be prepared for the answer. <laughs> What do you think about that person? Do you want to know why? Because love slash lust can make it so we can't see what's really going on until it's too late. Right? I mean, isn't that the case with everything? Oh, I just, oh, if I only had that, if I only had that. Oh, if I could just, oh, it's just, that's, oh, man. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh-oh. Did I, how did I, I just financed that car for how much? You know, I don't even, what am I doing? I can't do, I can't afford this, you know? He's like, yeah, but it smelled so good, the new car smell, right? And you just thought about how cool it would be when you're driving it down the street, but you got to be able to afford gas to drive it down the street, okay? So we, we think about this stuff. It's easy for us to not be able to see. So in dating, we want to have feedback. It's got to be in a community. I think it should be done in a, in a church setting where people are getting to know both of you. I, that's why I like doing premarital counseling and get to know people. And I go, okay, well, let's see what this is really like. And sometimes you ask questions that are like, blow the relationship up a little bit. And you go, well, I'm glad we did it here. Rather than when you're married, like in, you know, two months. Like, you thought that? <gasps> I can't believe you think like that. You know, it's like, yeah, well, how much have you talked about what you think? You know? It's not just like cuddling and a, watching a movie, you know, like you got to know. And so you need people in your life going, you know, what is that? What's going on here? Who is the, let me, let me hear it. Let me meet them. Let me meet them. Right. You think about like a sibling. Who is this guy? You know, dating your little sister or something. Who is this guy? I'm gonna punk him real quick. Like, yeah, it's like, come on over here. 
Come here. I swear I'll kill you. I know I'm a pastor. I swear I'll kill you. So, like, fast, really fast. And they're going like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> chill, man, chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be chill if you're chill. You got it? You know? So that's what the community does, right? You're, you're looking out, you know? I remember I first started coming around the packing house, and there's a big group, guys, girls, whatever, all hanging out. And I'd just come around, I was new. And I remember one of the dads came up to me, and he checked me. And I, I, I love him for it. Because he came up to me, and he's like, he just, he's like, hey, who are you? And I was like, told him, and he's like, tell me your story, man. I want to hear your story. So I kind of told him my story. I told him everything that was going on or whatever. I ended up becoming real close when we did ministry stuff together for years, okay? But I like that. That's what's supposed to be done in community. You also want to know why? He had two daughters. Mm-hmm. He was smart, okay? There's a, there's a young man that just showed up on the scene. Who are you? And he checked me. That's part of community, right? So we don't hide any of that, right? So this is why the church has to be more vibrant in these ways, where we're involved in each other's lives, and we don't do this stuff on an island. So you live in your marriage, you live in your singleness, you live in your dating life together, right? If we're wanting to honor God. If you're not wanting to honor God, I would absolutely recommend hiding. But I would also not recommend doing that, (laughs) right? So, uh, also, counting the cost. I think this is important when you're dating. Count the cost. That's the idea. You follow Jesus, you count the cost. This is the second most important decision you'll make besides following Jesus, who you marry. Count the cost. Is this, does, this going to work? And, and, and do, do, does this, do we know each other? Do we relate well? Do you love Jesus as much or more than I love Jesus? <laughs> are, are we on the same plain mission are we going the same direction or are you wanting to go over here remember hearing um i was studying for this about a a single uh lady who uh had dated seriously a guy and it was a really good relationship uh, but he felt called to missions in africa and she did not so they couldn't get married that was like the thing and so she ended up uh she was like i think I don't remember what it was. She'd counsel, I think she was a counselor, and, and she'd ended up counseling you know, so many different people and had formed this rich life, and she wanted to be married the whole time, and then she said all of a sudden she realized, you know what, God, you've got me here. This is my position. This is where I am. But it's, un- it's important to understand how it all works out, right? Because you think, I'll just change them. How's that go? If I could just, if I grab them and I pull them in, I'll change them. And they're thinking, if I... If I get you, I'll change you. So you're both trying to change each other into what you don't like about each other. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a disaster. So you got to count the cost. You got to know what you're doing and be really sober and deliberate. Don't just mess around. But I don't think there's any problem with having, hey, real relationship. How do you meet people? Do it, you know? It's, it's like there takes effort in that in a sense, right? Here's the other part. No one is perfect and neither will your spouse be. <laughs> I was, I was listening to another message on the topic, and, and um, <laughs> the, I think the pastor said, uh, he's like, well, so what are you looking for in a spouse? And it's like, well, uh, a nuclear physicist who used to be an astronaut and is also a model. <laughs> like, you don't want to be married. <laughs> like, that is just impossible. You're not going to find that in a sense, right? And so the perfect, the perfect union you're looking for is going to be found in Christ, here on earth, you're going to find people that are flawed like you, 
right? So you're not expecting them to be perfect. But it's like compatible and loving Jesus and a team. And you're like, you know what? I'm better with you than I am without you. So this is, this is uh, us staying in that flow of being blessable, right? For the singles, God has blessed you with an ability to have breadth in the, 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 the relationships that you have. It's, it, you have more capacity, and everybody's different. Some people are really busy, so I don't want to paint it with a real broad brush, I guess. But everybody, but generally speaking, you have more capacity to, to meet with and minister to more people than you would if you were married, in a sense, okay? Those who are dating, recognizing, hey, look, you, uh, it's not a bad thing to want to be married, but you got to take it very seriously, and our approach to this matters. And all of it matters, because it's all building on the foundation. And what do we know about the foundation? What happens when the storms come? You build on the sand, it all washes away. You build on the rock and it stands. Because God desires that we minister out of a relationship with him, obviously. We have to have a real relationship with God and then we have a really good relationship with our spouse. So it's not like me, God, ministry, spouse over here on the side. It's a me, God, spouse ministry. (laughs) Me, God, spouse, everything. When you're single, it's me, God, community ministry, like, like, like fellowship, spending time together. Still, fellowship is important. But it's, it's just the way that we do it. It's how we do it. And so uh, I, I didn't mean to sound like I know everything about being single. I haven't been for 15 years, and I didn't for very long before that. What was I, 25 when we got married? But I think there's a value to understanding like, or to thinking about how value, about what Paul said, that there are real advantages to those who are called to be single, whether for a season or for a long time. So don't desire to get out of it before God's ready for that. I, I, last thing, I, I remember John Corson had a, um, a message year, I heard it years ago when I was single. And, um, and he would talk about how Adam knew, he was looking around at all the animals and they had spouses, but he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And in due season, God brought the helper along. <laughs> There's also a part to that where as you're content and maybe your desire is, you bring it before the Lord. God, my desire is that I am married. That is my desire. Uh, but you're in the midst of it. You're ministering in the gifts of being single. And then God eventually brings that person alongside you because the foundation is right, because your, your, your angle is right, and hopefully they join in and do it along with you. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you, and God bless.